Fantastic. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying thank you, Braxton, for being here. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to come through uh, and be a guest on the podcast. Uh, it really does mean a lot to have you here. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. It uh, means a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it, uh, actually. Uh, I was just taking time to look at your work before this and, and see what it is that you do. And uh, it's I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait for you to tell us more about what it is exactly. Uh, but I also just want to start and ask, how are you doing? You know, how's been this year so far, uh, given, you know, what we've been going through globally? Um, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And how's life? Life is great, man. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of perspective, um, something that I've been a big fan of for a long time. And what I mean by that is just, um, you know, just always making sure that you're constantly putting yourself in the shoes of perspective and knowing that, you know, there's always someone that's got it worse than you. And there's someone who's always struggling more than you. There's, um, we, we take a lot of things for granted day to day life. And, um, I'm constantly just like reminding myself to be grateful of those things. So, you know, even if like you do hit a rough patch and stuff, cause like everyone hits rough patches and stuff. Um, I try to just stay as grateful as possible. Cause like at the end of the day, I get to do something that many people wish they could do for a living. And even if it's rough, sometimes it's still the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, I think on that point of perspective, now that you've just actually mentioned it um, and, and being grateful, what do you think is one of the things that you're most grateful for um, throughout your life that has a direct you know, relation to your creativity and your creative journey? Um, well, I, uh, I'm really grateful, obviously, for um, my Chicago family here, uh, Creative Club Chicago. Um, Eric, Bean, Mike, Gene, Steven, all of them, they have been so key to my creative journey and where I'm at today. I legitimately wouldn't be where I am without them because Eric took a chance on me. Uh, I hopped on an Instagram live with him like two, two and a half years ago at this point, I think maybe even longer. And um, so I was raised in Mississippi um, which is about 12 hours south of Chicago. Um, but I grew up in a very, very small rural country town and we didn't have a lot of creative opportunity. And I was kind of getting by by shooting weddings, but I was never in a position where I could scale or, you know, build my business even bigger or, you know, basically have any aspirations at all. Like you basically couldn't because you're too busy trying to get by paycheck to paycheck. And I hopped on Instagram live with him and uh, I was like, what do I do? And he was like, well, if you're serious about it, move to Chicago. But he said it kind of jokingly. No ways. Yeah. He said it jokingly. And then it was like eight months later, I moved to Chicago. <laughs> I just kind no of showed ways. up. I showed up at the studio door and I was like, hey man, I'm here. I moved. And he was just like totally shocked that like I actually took that serious. Um, And then it's kind of just been up from there. And then, um, of course, I had a lot of friends. uh, Once I like started my creative journey and like told myself that I wanted to do this full time, like I had lots of friends that uh, believed 100% in me and my art. Um, Because as you can, as you've looked through my photos, um, 
doing work like that, it's kind of hard to find models. Um, either someone doesn't want to do it or you have to pay for professional models. And when you're a broke photographer in a tiny country town, all you have is friends. And every single one of my friends was always down to model, always get in front of the camera and help me out in any way possible. That's actually really cool. And and, and I love that story. I was going to ask uh, more about this Chicago family that you guys were built. Yeah. And it's yeah, we can definitely cool. dive deeper just, into that later. Yeah. Just looking at it from the outside, seeing what it is that you guys are doing in terms of supporting each other. Uh, it's, it's like a huge inspiration. Um, and like you said, we can definitely, uh, jump more into that, but you know, I want to focus on that aspect of, you know, having friends and family that like are really supportive, uh, especially when you're starting off and how important that is to have. And, um, and, I know you already mentioned that you had super supportive friends, but I'm, I'm starting to think of, you know, people, creatives probably listen to this podcast who don't necessarily have friends or family who see the vision that they have uh, or really believe in what they're trying to do. What would you say to, you know, people like that in positions like that and what they can try and do to, you know, keep moving forward and uh, being able to reach their goals in the end? I think... Wow, that's such a loaded question because like so many things, so many things like go into it to like making it work. I mean, I mean, every, everyone's different, at least for me. Um, it was kind of like I, I had two main things going into this was one, I wanted to do this full time. I did not want to go to a nine to five. I did not want to settle for some blue collar job because like when you're raised in the South, like at least in the U S here, when you're raised in the South and you grow up in a very rural, small town, um, you're expected to pick up a blue collar job, get married by 22 and have kids by 23, which I am getting married by 22. I get married next month. Um, let's go. No <laughs> ways. Yeah. Oh, congrats, uh, bro. That's big. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. That's um, beautiful. funny enough, but, uh, I was, I did not want to follow that traditional path of, uh, of getting a blue collar job and all of those things. So I had to do this full time. I wanted to do this every day because I, I loved photography and filmmaking more than anything. And so with that, I didn't give myself another option. Um, I went to college for two years, but I went on an athletic scholarship and basically just uh, played my sport, which was tennis and hung out with my friends. I didn't take any serious classes. I took like general studies classes, um, just to like be eligible to play, uh, my sport. And so I just didn't give myself another option. I knew once I graduated college that this was it. And I had to make this work. Um, so if you're like me, <laughs> you, oh, wow. My voice just cracked. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's early in the morning here. Um, if you're like me, then you just, if you don't give yourself another option, if you don't give yourself a plan B, a backup option, you'll make it work. And I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer in no matter what your situation is or where you live or anything, if you want something bad enough, it will happen. If you put in the work, you do all the necessary steps to put yourself in a position to succeed. You don't even have to know the, the keys or the, the industry secrets to be successful. As long as you're doing the things that put yourself in a position to succeed and you mm -hmm. want it bad enough, it will happen. Yeah. 
and i love that uh i love that what you're saying uh so much you're right um it's if you want something and you put the necessary steps into getting that thing um it it will happen and i i see you a lot in that already just from what you've told me and you taking a chance for moving from home and going to chicago like there was no actual guarantee that you know taking this chance was going to lead you to where you are now uh but it's not taking that leap of faith putting yourself in a position where you know um i'm going to do what i can to the very best of my ability and you know the rest uh you just kind of like cross your fingers and and have faith that it unravels and it does you know and it did for you which is which is beautiful to see uh which is really beautiful to see uh and i know you've spoken a little bit about it and i wanted to tap on it now that you just mentioned it it's just you growing up you know how you grew up and if this photography thing was like something you always wanted to be from when you were a young individual i know i read a little bit about uh yourself your bio and how your creative your family is creative and i just wanted to ask a little bit about that you know how your parents influenced your creativity yeah for sure um mm-hmm. so i didn't like decide that like or i didn't really get interested in like the arts i guess is what you call it or like the creative industry as a whole I didn't really get interested in that until probably 15, 16. Um, my mom is an extremely talented painter, like till this day, one of the best painters I've ever seen in real life. She is like absolutely incredible. She doesn't do it for a living. She did for a little bit, um, but not anymore. And then my dad was, um, my biological father was a Broadway actor. Um, so, so like he was like on Broadway and like the Washington theater and other things. Um, and he would like act in England as well. Um, so I actually did come up from a pretty creative family. Um, with that being said though, um, my, my parents split when I was little. And so like my dad was doing his thing in New York and then my mom was working other jobs to make ends meet. Um, so my parents, let's just say this, my parents didn't have the best experience with the creative industry um more so to do with their marriage than um the actual creative industry itself so it wasn't really pushed in my household like it definitely influenced me because like i was seeing the cool things that they were doing and i wanted to be in that space um but it wasn't necessarily something where like my parents were like oh you should be a photographer or you should do this or you should do that um my parents actually um they suggested and um, encouraged, you know, getting a safe, practical job, just like any other, any other set of parents would, you know, they wanted me to like be safe financially and, you know, have a career, have a future, have retirement, all of those things. Um, But they definitely influenced me in a sense of me being, getting my first look into what being a creative was. Um, And that's actually like where I got my start was actually acting um, because my dad was an actor and I wanted to be an actor like my dad. Um, So like even when I was younger, I didn't even think of acting as like a creative thing. It was just something that my dad did and I thought something that was really cool. So like I did all of the all of the theater and all the plays and stuff when I was little. Um, And then growing up, I started taking it more serious and I was like going to acting workshops and all of these things and doing small gigs here and there. Um, But it got to the point that my mom was like, absolutely not. You are not being an actor. (laughs) Um, She, uh, she really wanted me to know, do something safe. 
And I even got to the point where I got accepted into an acting school. Um, wow. I, I like, I filled that out, good. <laughs> I feel, I filled wow. out the paper. I filled out all the paperwork and stuff behind my mom's back. I like submitted my application <laughs> and everything. My mom had no idea. And then no I, came, I came home from school one day to my mom holding a letter and she was like, what in the world is this? And I was like, no way. I was like, and I was like shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, I got accepted. Um, <laughs> that's what you're thinking <laughs> yeah i was like holy oh my gosh oh my and goodness. uh yeah and she was like absolutely not you're not doing this and then like we had like a long sit down talk about it and i ended up not going for other reasons as well um not just my mother um but uh yeah so that was like my start in the creative industry and then like acting led to other things i um acting led to doing some things into the fashion world. Um, I, at, at the time, you know, uh, Kanye West was really big and uh, that's when like Yeezy was starting to really take off. And I was like really inspired by Yeezy and I was inspired by other brands that were popping off at the time, like small brands, like uh, Fool's Gold in New York and stuff. And I was like, sick, I want to do this. And so I did that for like a few years. I did that when I was like, I was like really into fashion when I was like 16, 17. Uh, and I ended up getting, um, I applied for uh, FIDM, which is a fashion school out in LA. Um, um, LA or San Francisco, I can't remember. Uh, and I got offered a scholarship there. No ways, um, bro. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, anything you touch is just going to turn into gold. <laughs> well, they uh, it sounds better than what it actually was. They offered me a scholarship, but uh it it was still going to cost a good bit of money, like cost of living out there and stuff and all those things. And as I was pursuing fashion, I started picking up I, I started picking up the camera to uh i started picking up the camera to you know photograph whatever i was wearing next or whatever i was putting on other people and you know because like photography and fashion kind of go hand in hand uh and so i got you know and once you start picking up a camera and you start posting decent photos people instantly start hitting you up um like hey can you take my senior photos hey can you do this can you do that uh I'm I'm totally getting off topic here. For no, you are on uh, topic. Yeah. You are on track. That's what this podcast <laughs> is about. It's about going off track and just expressing yeah. ourselves. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, please do. And so and just and so like photo was like going hand in hand with fashion, and I was doing it at the same time I was pursuing fashion, and so then like photography eventually just took over. That's actually very beautiful, and um, I love how almost like everything in your life kind of just flows and unravels itself and unpacks itself and, and leads up to this like very moment. Uh, especially the things that you kind of set your mind to and didn't really happen for you. And at the time you almost kind of feel like without realizing what's coming, obviously you almost realize like, this is the end. Like, this is what I really want and I'm not getting any support or it's not working, you know, like what the heck, you know, like what's next, you know, and you kind of feel like that sometimes. Um, but looking back at stories like that for me is, encouraging for me now and in the future when i 
set my heart to something and it doesn't work and it's really like you know what i've been i've gone through so much before and i'm here now and you know i kind of didn't come all this far just to end up here so there's definitely better things to come and this is not the end almost kind of like pick yourself up and, and keep trying um so I, I i love that i love what you shared and i also appreciate your vulnerability you know and just sharing some personal stuff about your life it's really beautiful and i and, and i appreciate that um but you mentioned something you know interesting about you know parents wanting their children to pick something safe something that's secure um and do you think that you know we'll ever get to a time where people who want to pursue something of a creative nature something that's not so generic something that we're not used to seeing uh can can those things actually be looked at and valued as you know steady uh career options for individuals and if if we're if if we're not there now, how can we be able to get to a position where that's the understanding? Uh, I, from like a financial perspective, I think we will be there and I think we'll be there rather soon. Um, but I think what, what's I, honestly, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to get uh, to, so like right now we're still kind of in that space of where like parents think that, you know, we need to get a safe blue collar job, um, to have a safe, financially stable career. Um, but I think now it's, is going to just switch to parents don't want their kids to do it because it's not healthy. Um, you know, we hear the horror stories every day of like creators, you know, struggling with mental health and, um, you know, just being so overwhelmed by, um, what being a creator brings along with it. And I'm not necessarily speaking into our niche specifically of photo and video. Um, but you see, you see so many of the, um, the influencers and stuff that, um, it just gets really overwhelming and stuff, especially when you start young and then like no one ever just treats you like a normal person. You'll always be that guy from YouTube or that girl on TikTok or so on and so forth. Um, so I think I think the perspective will change soon to just like parents wanting their children to be safe, um, which I totally agree with. Um, but I I think the in terms of just the the stigma around building a career from it, I think that stigma is dying very quickly, and I think it'll be gone soon because more and more parents, like even my parents, like did not think that. You know, I would be able to make it like even when I moved to Chicago, there are, they were worried sick that like I wasn't going to be able to pay rent. And um, and now, you know, they don't they don't worry about me a bit because I was able to prove to them that, you know, that this is very much a, a viable career option. You just have to put in the work. Um, so I I think that stigma in particular is going away pretty quickly. And more and more parents every day are becoming more accepting of that. Yeah, and I love that. And I, I do kind of just hope for a day where, um, you know, parents can actually understand it and consider it as, as an option. And not just that, but even in schools, you know, uh, you know, courses and options for kids who want to pursue that, they can start like, you don't ha- it doesn't have to be like an extracurricular activity that they have to do, but like really creative kind of things can you know, start being nurtured at a young age and uh, kids can have the option to explore, you know, the more academic side of life, the sports side of life and the creative side of life. You know, that'd be really nice to get to a point where uh, the world kind of functions that way. Uh, but again, you keep mentioning very interesting things and there's that concept of 
this thing becoming very overwhelming, you know, like being an influencer, being a content creator, especially one who consistently has to share their work on social media or otherwise, there's a certain pressure that comes with it. You know, you have to deliver. And unfortunately, you realize that if you don't deliver consistently, you are easily replaced by, you know, the next content creator because there's so much of us now in that space. Uh, so there's almost like a, a slight pressure to always be consistent and always deliver uh, you know, what's trending or, or whatever you may call it. So it's, it's difficult and, and, and it stresses some people out. But for you personally, how are you able to separate yourself from that pressure and try and maintain a steady mind and, you know, continue to remain unique and consistent in, in the work that you produce? Uh, so there's there's like a few ways that like I approach this in terms of just like having a healthy relationship with my art. Um, you know, so one thing that I think that people in the photo and video niche in particular struggle with really bad is that they start to shoot and post things that will get the attention of other photographers and filmmakers, if that makes sense. Like we, for somehow in like the social media age, we have like lost what I think that social media was intended for, for us at least. And that was for getting our work in front of as many eyes as possible and finding people that our work relates to. And we've kind of like, I even caught myself falling into this trap of like, I was curating my Instagram and posting photos that I knew that other photographers would like that it would get the attention of other photographers and other filmmakers um, because obviously we kind of hold a higher criteria to what we think is good versus um, a more casual uh, photo video consumer. Um, and it got really unhealthy very quickly because um, I was constantly like trying to post what these other random photographers on Instagram and Twitter would like versus posting things that the general public would like. Um, if that makes sense, it's because in my opinion, um, we can get a little too critical of other people's works. Like this social media in general has just kind of like, um, conditioned us to view other people's work in this almost critical sense of like, we're constantly like judging other people's art and we're, you know, looking where they messed up or what they could have done different or what what I have done different if I would have taken this photo and things like that. Um, whereas the general consumer just looks at it and appreciates it and resonates with it. And that's, that was always the goal with my work and with the photos and videos that I make is um, just uh, helping people resonate with their own feelings and what they could feel through a photograph. And so yeah, so one of the best things that I ever did was stopped making art for other photographers and filmmakers and started making art for myself and for just normal casual consumers to enjoy. Um and now this isn't really a problem with me anymore. It was for a little bit, but I know a lot of people struggle with um balancing making money versus making art. Um because the the sad truth and like the sad reality of it is that any time that your passion is also tied to your income, it's not always the best thing. Like that sounds really great, but once you have your 
um, your livelihood, depending on your passion, it turns um, less into a passion and more of work, um, whether you like it or not. Um, I have a friend in Dallas, uh, Jake Winger. Um, he's a tremendous photographer. Um, he actually, he's one of the best photographers I know, and he works in normal nine to five at a college because he said that he could no longer have his art tied to his income because it was ruining his relationship with his art, um, which I find very inspiring. And as I get older, the less and less I care about doing this full time. When I was younger, I was like so determined to, you know, be a full-time photographer, be a full-time filmmaker. I wanted to do this every day. And as I get older, the more I realize that I don't have to have my income tied to my art in order to be an artist. I don't have to, you know, do all these business things in order to create the things I want to create. You know, it's okay to, you know, get your real estate license and take photos on the weekends. You know, it's okay to go get this job and work a, work a job that gives you insurance and health benefits and stuff and, you know, create art in your free time. Um. Okay, I, I do want to know, I do want to ask uh, why you've chosen to focus on film photography and, and making films specifically as a creative outlet. Um, there's so many different types of photography and so many ways to present your photography, but you've chosen film. And I want to know why. Um, I've looked at your work and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's kind of made Thank me you. feel like I should take up film. <laughs> but then I've, yeah, also, I've also watched your podcast and then you've said it's very expensive. <laughs> It yes, could leave it me is broke. very expensive. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about your journey in, in, in picking up film specifically and, and, and what it on and what's that journey what that journey has been like. Yeah, so uh I guess it starts with my grandfather. My grandfather was a wedding photographer for several years, like I think like 20, 25 years he was a wedding photographer. Um and, you know, he started in the early 80s and went all the way up until like 2003 when the first digital camera came out or people started switching over to digital, I think. Um, so when I got interested into photography and so first person I tell is obviously my grandfather. Um, and for Christmas that year, he gifted me a Nikon F3. Now, anyone who's... Um, fairly educated into the film space. Everyone knows that the Nikon F3 is a legendary 35 millimeter camera. So I, so I was very blessed to, you know, uh, have that just like right off the bat. And I got that at the same time that I got a digital camera. I got a digital camera and a film camera for Christmas that same year. Um, because, because, because I asked my parents, I asked my parents for a camera for Christmas and cause I was taking photos on my mom's camera. And that, that exact Christmas, my grandfather just surprised me uh, with one of his film cameras that he that used to shoot weddings. He shot weddings on two Nikon F3s all day. Um, and he gave me one of those. And I was just, at first, I was just, uh, I would, it was just drawn, I was just drawn to um, the film camera. I just thought it was way cooler. Um, and so I actually... I started taking photos on that before I started taking photos on my digital camera, really. But at the time, I didn't know that um, that you could like take film to like a normal film lab and stuff. The only place I knew that developed film was Walmart and Walgreens. Uh, so like I would sh I would shoot a roll 
And then I would like go take it to Walmart or Walgreens, but they don't develop film anymore. Um, So they would have to ship it off to a lab, but it would take like a month. Oh uh, my goodness. For the film to get back. I'm not kidding. One time I brought film to Walmart and it took three months to get (gasps) my roll back. (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. So I was like, screw this. I'm not waiting this long for photos. Um, So that's when like I picked up my digital camera, but um, I shortly thereafter, I was doing both. Like I would, um, I would shoot film more for fun and, but I was shooting digital for more paid work. Um, But like those early, early days of me picking up a camera, I learned to shoot on a film camera. Um, And so from there, I started, I basically just kind of like let it sit on the shelf for a few years um, just because like I was like, as my business was starting to grow and I was shooting more and more paid work, you know, I did not trust myself with a film camera to, you know, shoot paid work. Um, so it, and then, so probably, probably about a year and a half ago, I picked up film again. Uh, so I, I took like a two year break from film year, two years, something like that. And then about a year and a half ago, I picked up film again, uh, again, shooting it more casually. I wasn't shooting any paid work. And then, uh, once I moved here to Chicago, um, I was doing other things and I had, uh, some time to, uh, have some time on my hands basically. And I was like, well, if I, if I have all this time, like I might as well just shoot more film because that's like film, film was like, film was like my healthy escape from digital photography because like digital photography was feeling like work at that time. And so shooting film was more of like my escape, my, uh, my passion and what like really kept my love for photography going. And so I just like, I just kept shooting film. And then, um, you know, once you start shooting a lot with film, you then like, people are like, Oh, you shoot film. Will you come take my portraits? It's kind of like the same, um, process as when you've like first learning photography people are like oh can you take my senior portraits can you do this can you do that and so like when you start shooting film it was kind of the same process of people are like oh i'm getting engaged it would be really cool if you shot it on film um and then like small businesses were like oh we're a trendy whatever cafe we would love for you to come you know take some product photos on film uh and so it kind of went from there um, but why I specifically choose film now um, is for me at least, and I'll quote the the great Jason Lee, uh, to be to be a photographer to me is to be an analog photographer. Um, it's just like I'm so in love. This and this sounds so like cliche film photographer, but I'm so I'm so in love with the process that film brings. Um, like every step of it from like loading up a roll into the back of your camera, um, you know, whipping out your light meter, you know, actually reading a light meter, actually looking at your scene and judging exposure from your light meter and those things to, I actually self-develop all of my film as well. And I scan all of my film myself. So what's that process like? How long does it take to like process a photo? Uh, so what we do is that once you shoot a roll, you uh, load it up onto these like plastic reels. Um, I have some sitting over here. Um, 
you load them up like onto a reel. So you like spool up all the film onto this plastic reel and then you put it into this like plastic tank and then you, um, you go through a series of chemicals. Um, so I can develop five rolls of 35 millimeter or three rolls of medium format. Uh, and it takes about the whole entire process takes about 20 minutes ish. Yeah. So I'm, I have my hands on every step of the process. Um, and it's just something that I really, really enjoy. Um, you know, even the things like you have to wait to see your photos. Um, you don't get that instant gratification of looking at the back of your, back of your camera. You know, I have to go shoot the photos and then go develop it and scan it to see what it really looks like. But it you looks know? like, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, it's such a rewarding process and it's such a fun process that I don't, I don't really care to shoot digital anymore at all. Now, if I'm shooting a, if I'm shooting a, a job that it makes more sense to shoot digital, I will. Um, but I'm just so in love with the process that film brings along that um, it's just, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Wow. That's beautiful. And I, you mentioned something it's like, it's so rewarding and it's so fulfilling. And that's what I, I hope for like every kind of content creator, any kind of creative individual, just anyone doing anything in life. You know, if you've chosen to do something that it can be rewarding and fulfilling. Um, and you know, it was just talking, it just reminds me as well, something you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier about, you know, making content for people, uh, and trying to get likes, trying to get follows. And I was definitely like that as well when I started and it's, it, it wrecks you. It like really messes you up until I had to just sit myself down and think, you know, remember why you started to do this thing in the first place. It's because it makes you happy. It's because it's fulfilling because it's an escape, you know? Um, so hearing you say that and just knowing that you found that for yourself, that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm really happy for you. And I just hope it can continue to bring that kind of joy, um, to you, uh, throughout the rest of your life, you know? Um, but you know, Commercially, as someone who sells this product that is film, that is photography, that is art, how do you try and be unique and different from everyone else in the market? Like I said earlier, and like we all know clearly, there's so many offers now on, on the planet in, in the market. Just like Nick, your next door neighbor could be a photographer fighting to take photos <laughs> for the wedding down the street, you know? So like, how do you, how do you remain unique? How do you market yourself in a way that, you know, attracts people and separate you from the rest of the pack um so for one now i don't necessarily do this um i did for a little bit but i quickly changed my mind and this might sound a little contradictory to what i said a second ago of like marketing yourself as a film photographer but i don't actually i don't really market myself as a film photographer um I mean, like I'm open about it and I'm very open about my process and, you know, being a film photographer and all of those things, but I'm not shouting into the void that, Oh, I take my photos on film. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I like to think of myself more as just a photographer that happens to shoot film versus a film photographer. Um, now I think, I think it's extremely hard like no matter what you do, I think it's going to be extremely hard to stand out. Like the, the market is like extremely saturated at this very, point. Very, very. So, like so much, so much so. Uh, so I, 
at least in the past year, I've taken less of a marketing myself uh, stance and more of a a rising tide brings up all the ships point of view. Um, because I'm so I'm so blessed to be in Creative Club Chicago and co work alongside all of my best friends in the industry. Um, we've all kind of just taken the stance that if we're all just consistently working hard and working to lift each other up, then we're going to be able to stand out because of that. Um, I'm, I don't have to necessarily, you know, be posting on Instagram three times a day and on Twitter five times a day and like doing all these crazy marketing things that a lot of creators in this space will do. Instead, we just, um, we all together just constantly are including each other in other projects. Um, and then just like constant, like if you watch our YouTube videos, we're me, Steven and Gene and Eric, we're constantly in each other's videos. Literally. And stuff. And Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're just constantly putting each other, um, right beside ourselves. And, you know, again, rising tide brings up all the ships. Um, so it's, it's very nice to be able to be in a place where I don't have to necessarily fight for myself when I have others fighting for me as well. Um, and it's more fulfilling that way as well, because you're constantly being able to hang out and work and, you know, uh, be with your friends as well. Um, but touching back a little bit to what I said earlier, now, this is my personal opinion. Other people might disagree and that's totally fine. Um, because a lot of film photographers are marketing themselves as film photographers, which is totally fine. Like you do what you want to do. Um, but at least for me and my identity, I don't want to be known as the film photographer. I just want to be known as a great photographer that mm. people really resonated with my work. And I happened to, to shoot, shoot film. film. I love you know, that way I, you put that. Yeah. I, th I think one of the best examples of that is two people actually is Sam Damashek and Tyler Shields. They're both incredible photographers in uh, Los Angeles, two people that I really look up to a lot. Um, they're, they're very open about shooting film and they're very open about their process and stuff, but they're not, you know, they don't have film photographer in their bio. Uh, they don't, they're not shouting into the void. Uh, hashtag portrait 400. I mean, like, we all do that. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, like we're all, we all do that every once in a while. It's like, again, like you do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy there, but they're, they're more just photographers that happen to shoot film. And, uh, I, I think there's something beautiful about that, that they haven't wrapped their identity around the singular thing. You know, they're, they've kind of left their identity, um, pretty open stance so that, you know, whatever, um, the next job comes around or whatever opportunity comes around next. Uh, some people aren't going, Oh, that's the film guy. They go, Oh, that's Tyler Shields, you know? Um, so, and I, and I also look at some of the, the great filmmakers of the world. Like people, people don't think of Christopher Nolan as the director who shoots IMAX film, not the guy who shoots 70 millimeter. Yeah. 70 millimeter film. They think of Christopher Nolan as the guy who created inception and Literally. interstellar and stuff <laughs> or like and now like quentin tarantino is a little bit more um a little bit more hardcore he says that digital was the death of cinema um <laughs> but 
you know, I, th- I think of all these great people and all these accomplished people in the industry that um, have been able to do what they do with film. Um, and I really look up to them because, again, at the same time, they're doing all these things on film, but they're not necessarily wrapping their identity around that. Film. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not wrapping their identity around a singular uh, medium or thing. So that's. That's just the stance that I take on those things. Um, again, people might disagree with me and that's totally okay. Like I'm very much a whatever makes you happy and whatever, you know, whatever you feel like you need to do to succeed, please do. Um, we're all just, you know, trying to pay our bills and, you know, do this every day. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a personal stance that you definitely share with a lot of people, and I think myself included. Um, it makes so much sense to not constrict yourself. I think you limit yourself from a lot of opportunity uh, and even realizing potential abilities that you had that you had never actually tested out uh, in the sense that if you do you know, just market yourself as this one thing, if people are looking for a certain thing because you identify yourself as you know the person who does only product photography, if it's a wedding, if it's, you know, nature or if it's, um, you know, real estate, they're not really going to approach you because you've labeled yourself that one thing. Um, but I think if you keep yourself open and uh, as someone who does photography, just generally, you actually realize that when you are called to, you know, do real estate photography, you might actually realize how good you are, even though it wasn't something that you'd ever considered. Um, and it allows you to spread your wings. It allows you to, you know, just network more as well (laughs) you know so i definitely resonate and i definitely share uh your perspective and in your way of thinking it's it's really beautiful and just just to bring it back again to something we've already spoken about i think it's about time so just we we speak about it and it's that chicago family of yours um i love so much again like i said already what you guys are doing um being able to uh, you know like you said build this thing where if one person's winning then we're all winning um especially in a industry or in a community where everybody's trying to get the bread first you know every other photographer is trying to get the job before the next photographer so if you've got a group of people who are like-minded and who share the struggle who understand what's going on and you know the main idea here is to lift each other up you're you're in a winning team you know you're definitely in a winning team uh, and just to like put like some real life perspective on that, I actually reached out to Eric, you know, and I was like, um, I like your work and I like what you guys are doing uh, and I'd love you on the podcast. And he's like, I really can't do any right now because I'm doing a lot. And he just threw all your guys' names in there. He's like, these are my people, you know, at the studio, reach out to them. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, some of them might be keen and interested. So that idea of just fe- knowing that someone's got your back, uh, you know, is amazing it's beautiful and i just want to hear and put hopefully learn on more about what this family is its inception where it is now and where it is kind of going yeah so i um i was fortunate enough to join this family uh about a year ago at this point um it uh, i've been friends with them for uh close to two years at this point i think um but when i finally moved um it's just like they're like they're legitimately everything to me um especially someone like when you grow up in a really small town you you uh you get really close to your family and um, i'm still really really close to my family to this day 
Um, and then I also moved 12 hours away from my fiance as well, which was really tough. Um, yeah, cause she was still finishing college. Um, while, um, I finished, so I, I graduated and she still had, uh, two more semesters of college. So I went ahead and moved up here. Um, and when I, when I say, when I say they've been family, they've been nothing short of family to me. Like, um, they, they legitimately took me, um, they took me under their wing and they helped me grow in every way possible. And they've, they've already taught me so much and, um, and they've just, they've just helped me in every way. Um, I don't know what I would do without them to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's such a unique and blessing to have, um, to be able to just like wake up and go to a studio space in Chicago where five other of your best friends work at. And, um, yeah. And then like this year in particular, me, Gene, Steven and Eric have all been pursuing, uh, pursuing YouTube heavily together. And that's been such a fun process being able to work alongside them on that. And we're constantly, you know, helping each other out with videos and, you know, we're constantly in each other's videos and stuff. Um, but yeah. And then if it wasn't for them being so supportive of me, I don't even know if I would have moved because so I, I hopped on that Instagram live with Eric. It was very early into the pandemic. It was like right when lockdown first started in like, I think it was March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you friends with Eric then? Well, we, I, um, before that, I was more of just like a fan of his YouTube channel. And uh, I, I had his Patreon. I was like, I was a subscriber to his Patreon and stuff. And we had DM'd a few times. I talked to him on Patreon um, and like small things like that. Like we knew of each other and stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I got to hop on that Instagram live with him. And, uh, I was just like, Hey man, like I'm stuck here in Mississippi and I don't know what to do. Like there's no, there's no ability to scale. There's no real creative opportunity down here. I'm just shooting wedding to wedding, surviving paycheck to paycheck. Like if I ever want a family, I'm never going to be able to support them with this, but I'm also not giving myself a plan B, as I said earlier. I um, want this thing. <laughs> so, like, I want this thing mm. so badly. What do I do? And n- not taking me very seriously, he said, move to Chicago. <laughs> um, he's, he, I think his exact words were, if you came to Chicago, we would take care of you. Um, but even he will say that, like, he was not taking me very seriously because, you know, every fan of a YouTuber and stuff will say they'll do whatever to, um, to get to that level to make it happen. But like few people actually follow through. Um, so that happened in March. And then I was able to have a conversation with Samuel Elkins. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, he's a photographer out in LA, uh, a few, a few, a few months, um, after that call, I was able to hop on a phone call with Samuel Elkins and we were just talking about the industry and stuff. And I kind of asked him the same thing of like, I don't know what to do. And he basically told me, you just need to get off your butt and do it. (laughs) Cause like I was doing a lot of talking. I was doing a lot of asking questions, a lot of messaging people, but I wasn't taking any actual action. Um, and so after we had that conversation, he really set a fire under me and I messaged Eric immediately. And I was like, can I come visit? 
And he was like, yeah, totally. And so I went and visited Chicago and right off the bat, I became best friends with everyone. Just like I was able to just like fit right into what they were already trying to build. And, uh, I became best friends with everyone immediately. Um, and then I was like, okay, sick, I'm moving. (laughs) And again, they still weren't taking me very seriously because it's, it's such a, such a large task to move 12 hours away from your home, it is, especially when you, especially, especially when you don't have a lot of money like mm-hmm. me at the time. Um, and so that visit happened in October of 2020. And then, um, and then I showed up the next year. I think I came and visited one more time. Uh, but I showed up that next year and I got an apartment right down the street from the studio here at Radio Club <laughs> Chicago and uh, I walked in the studio and I was like, hey, I moved. And everyone was like, what? What? Um, <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And they like legitimately have taken care of me ever since. Like when I moved here, um, after paying uh, to move all of my stuff 12 hours to Chicago and then like paying and then like paying like the security deposit and like first month's rent. And all of those things here in Chicago and then like taking care of the rest of the stuff I had to pay for down south of Mississippi. I showed up my first day at the studio. I showed up with $130 in my bank account. No ways. I had had $130 to my name. And I had and like all my family kept asking me, are you okay? Do you need money? Uh, do you, do you need anything? I was like, no, I'm fine. I got this because like, I was determined to make this happen on my own. I did not want, you know, I did not want my mom to give me money to pay rent until I could get off my feet. Like I was going to make this happen. If I was going to, um, if I was going to force myself down this career path, if I was going to be the stubborn one that did not go and get a safe job, that means that like, I also have to take care of myself. I'm not going to burden someone else with taking care of me after, you know, I did something that's not inherently a safe thing to do. Um, so I, I showed up with $130 in my pocket and I was like, I'll do whatever. Just, just put me to work. And I ended up being Eric's editor for a while. I edited for Eric for, um, I think like a good, like four or five months, I think. Um, and then at that point, my business had already started to really, really grow here in Chicago. And it got to the point that like, I just couldn't do both. And, um, me and Eric decided that it was best that, um, that we, uh, part ways when it comes to working together, but, uh, we're still like the best of friends. And I still basically owe my life to Eric without him telling me to move to Chicago. I would have never moved. And, um, and then of course with the rest of my, uh, creative club family, um, supporting me, supporting my business and helping me out so much along the way. Um, I would not be where I am, where I am today. That is amazing. It's such a beautiful story, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and honestly, I could talk, I could talk about them for hours because yeah, I'm just and, like, and, I love them so much, so dearly. Yeah. And I definitely, uh, got a little bit more questions about them, but it's, it's just crazy for me. It's just, I'm just hearing you say how you just got up and you did what had to be done. And I know it's 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 easier said than done, right? Yeah, I just get up, just you know, when I have the opportunity, I'm gonna grab my things and I'm gonna leave. But I'm really thinking about myself personally, and I'm thinking, yo, would I be able to do that? Would I be able to leave my family? Would I be able to leave my fiance and just be away from family and just start 
building from the ground, you know, building a clientele, building a network, um, and really, like you're saying, forcing myself into this career path until it works. Um, but you did it. And for me, knowing that you can do it is like an inspiration, like, uh, that I can do it as well, you know? So I, I appreciate what you've done and what you've gone through and then being able to share that as well. Uh, and be able to inspire other people to, you know, take that leap of faith and, and put that work in, put that energy into making their dreams come true. It's, it's, it's really a beautiful story. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. And, and what's the creative club Chicago really about? Like, what is it that you guys are trying to build? Uh, what is it that you guys are involved in? And, and where is it? Would, would you guys love to see this thing grow and, and, and end up and become? I mean, I think the goal with Creative Club Chicago was always just to be this one big family of creators. Um, You know, Creative Club Chicago was built on community and building community. And that's something that like we always want to extend to other people. Um, I look at it as just like Creative Club Chicago is community. And um, we're, we're always, you know, having new people come to the studio to come hang out and talk and you know, we're always willing to help anyone out in any way possible. Um, yeah, we're just a big, big family of creators. Um, and we're just always looking to help each other out, help other people out. Um, that's why uh, me, Eric, Stephen, and Gene in particular have um, this year, we decided that we wanted to pursue YouTube heavily was so that we could just extend that family even, even wider and yeah. even wider build community even further you know not just build community here in chicago but build community throughout the country and throughout the world you know make more friends make cool things um so that's that's really what creative club chicago is it's just community and um constantly building that and um making new friends yeah and um, i mean you've now mentioned uh, youtube a couple of times and i, I want to ask about yeah that, you know specifically your youtube channel and uh, I just realized it's a very young channel. Uh, it's it's not too old uh, and you're still growing. You're still working on it, but I, I love your content. I love your presentation. You obviously have uh, a lot of experience, uh, you know, working with the people that you work with. Your work is is top tier. It's beautiful. It's, it's presented well, the audio, the lighting, the story, um, you know, everything that's gone into it is, is absolutely amazing. Um, but tell me what exactly that it is that you're trying to do with your channel. Um, and is it going to be focused on film or like, what is it that we can expect from you? Yeah. So it is a very young channel. I, um, before, before this year, I'd only posted like two or three videos and, um, and so I, um, I deleted all of those and just wanted to start fresh. Um, I, I wanted to do YouTube for the past two years, but I, I'm the world's worst when it comes to being a perfectionist to a video. And I would always go film a video and then I would get into the edit. And I'm like, this is not why I wanted it to be. And I would just delete it and never post anything. No way. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. So like I, I started the year with like 30 subscribers and it's grown very quickly, um, which um, I'm so thankful for already. And it definitely helps, you know, constantly being in other people's videos and being helped out by Eric, Steven and Gene. Um, but yeah, I, I make film related content and filmmaking related content, mostly film right now, but I have a lot of filmmaking content coming soon because of that that's a whole other part of my life. Um, YouTube has been really fun and it's been really fun pursuing it, um, together with your friends. Um, 
the goal really with the channel always was just to, you know, uh, just another way that I can share my process, my art, the way that I like to do things. And, um, hopefully it can help someone out in the process. I'm a, as you can probably tell just from this interview, I'm a very open book. Yes, you um, are. And it's a beautiful I'm ve- thing. I'm a very, I'm a very transparent person because when I was growing up and I was listening to these podcasts, trying to learn as much as possible, um, there's too many times that like I would listen to a creator and it just felt like they're being very shallow and they were holding a lot back. So like I try to be as transparent as possible because that's what helped me. Um, but that's really the goal with the channel is just to, you know, put, put some fun things out there and people have, if people resonate with it, that's amazing. Um, you know, it's, uh, for some people, it might be more of a business, business venture. Yeah. It's most people actually. De- yeah. It's definitely, I mean, like I would be naive to say that it's not a business venture for me. Like it's like YouTube in itself is a business. And if you're going to pursue it seriously, you have to treat it as such. Um, but for me, um, you know, it's just, um, it's just another way that I can share my passion and what I love and what I do. And, um, you know, just trying to connect with more people and still like, just like what we do here at Creative Club Chicago is just building more community and making more friends in this space. Um, and yeah, so I, I love it. Uh, I've, I've definitely spent considerable amounts of time on your, on your YouTube channel already. And, Thank you. you know, I've, I've already <laughs> marveled and mm. Fanboyed at how clean and, and, and amazing your work is, you know. So <laughs> thank you. Um, I, and, I it, and it, I'm sorry. No, you can speak. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. No, I was just, I was just going to say really quickly. Um, and it definitely helps. Um, for like someone who like anyone who get, like disc gets discouraged, like when they see like my first three videos and like my first three videos, or like my first five videos, whatever. Um, like not trying to like be like very egotistic here, but my five videos are probably a lot better than most um, people's first five videos. They um, are. Usually people's, <laughs> like, usually people's first five videos are a lot less put together, but um, I had insane amounts of help from Eric, Steven and Gene. And when I, you know, I edited Eric's YouTube videos for a couple months when I first moved here to Chicago. So I got to learn so much and uh, see what does work, what doesn't work. Um, how, how to light a talking head, how to do audio, um, you know, what works for YouTube, what doesn't work for YouTube, you know, like in structuring a video so that it's constantly entertaining and stuff. Um, I had lots and lots and lots of help. That was not just me picking up a camera one day and making, and just being good at it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's encouraging. That's, that's good piece of advice to know because, um, I, I like we already spoke about earlier when you jump into the space initially you kind of looking at other people's work and you're like you know i want to get to that level and i want to be where it is and you you sometimes forget you really realize the amount of work that's gone into them being there to begin with uh the kind of journey they've taken the amount of years they've put in the amount of money and time that's been invested in allowing the skill to be where it's at so i think the whole journey is a process um and it's just a good reminder to know that, you know, you need to put the time in, just be patient with yourself and, you know, you will get to uh, where you want to be or you will get to where everybody else is uh, only in good time. It's just a matter of being consistent yeah, and, for and, sure. and picking yourself up when you fall down sometimes, you know. Yep, for sure. Okay, s- sweet. So what I want to know, what I want to ask you um, 
I've just really heard a lot about you and, and your creativity. And what I'm realizing is you really didn't go to school for these things. They just kind of came with you and uh, you're naturally just kind of drawn to these things, which is, which is amazing. But what do you think? And I, I know a lot of people have gone to school for things creatively. Um, they haven't been necessarily good at it naturally or just straight off the bat. They've gone to school, they've been educated, they've taken courses and they've become great, you know, creative people from that. But do you think that creativity is something that comes naturally or it's something that's more nurtured, taught, learnt and things like that? I think it can be both. I think that it really depends on who you are as a person and where you are in your creative journey. And um, there, there's many factors that go into it. Um, for me, um, at least, um, I was blessed enough that creativity kind of came pretty naturally to me. Um, and I'm, and I'm still to this day, a creative that like relies a lot on what feels good versus, you know, what someone tells me, uh, what to do or what I should do. Um, so I really think it depends on you as a whole. Uh, but I think it can definitely be both. I think, you know, I've, um, I've seen people who come from a very non-creative background, um, at all and you know now they're like killer creatives and they kill it in this space um and then i've also seen people who just like are born with picasso's brush you know like some, that's true like, like some people just have that thing and um like think, your mom yes like my mom was like a was a self-taught painter and like till this mm. day and like till this day like one of the best painters i've ever seen in my life um wow. So it, it really can be both. And I think, I think together is where something really special happens, um, where you already have like, we, when you already have a knack for creativity and you already, you know, um, have these ideas that you want to do and like, you know, you get the gears rolling and stuff. And then you, uh, you have a great support system around you that can nurture that creativity and really push you to, to your potential, you know? So I, I think either or can definitely be the case, but it's together when something really special happens and when you can really like reach your potential. I love that. I love you sharing that because uh, I think I can learn a lot from that. Just looking at myself and how I've sort of approached it. I've, I've never liked school, just the concept of school in general. It's just like, what the heck? <laughs> what is this prison? You know, uh, I'm paying these people to put me under stress. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now for... for- <laughs> For college in particular, I will say this. Uh, if you're contemplating whether or not you need to go to school for a creative field, um, I I received the best advice about college from Gary Vee. Now, whether you like Gary Vee or not, it's totally up to you. <laughs> Gary, Vee actually, Gary, Gary Vee actually helped me out a lot, uh, like growing in this space and like what I wanted to do. Um uh, I, I was like an avid watcher of him for years. Um, he, cause like I was really struggling with the, um, with the choice of, do I go to college or not? Um, because like, I know I wanted to go, I want to do this full time, but like my family shouting at me to go to college. And then like, you always had this little bit of fear in the back of your head. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Then I have no backup plan and stuff. And Gary V basically said, if you have the privilege or if you have the privilege or the uh, ability to go to college, go to college. If you can go to college without taking out student loans and breaking the bank and putting yourself in debt forever, go to college. It's not going to hurt you. Be patient. 
like it's four years or two years if you go to a community college or junior college. Um, you know, you only have upside there. You're not going to hurt yourself by going to college unless you, you know, take out massive amounts of loans and debt. Um, now, if you don't have that ability, then don't go. And then you you make your creative field work or you make whatever you're going to do work. Um, and so, again, as I said earlier, I had an athletic scholarship to a junior college with, um, fortunately enough, a lot of my other friends in the tennis community also got recruited by the same college. So me and all my friends all ended up going to the same college. And my athletic scholarship covered almost everything. So I, um, I had the unique privilege to be able to go to two years to college for free, basically. And, um, it was the, and I, till this day, I don't regret it a bit. Those two years were the best two years of my life. Like I legitimately got to live with my best friends and play the sport that I grew up playing every day. Um, and so my, my, if you would have asked me before college, I would have like, no, don't go to college. College is a scam. Don't do all these things. Like you don't need college to be a creator and you don't. Um, but I am much more open-minded to college now than I was, you know, before college because college was such a amazing experience for me. Now I didn't do anything. I, again, I took general study courses because I was already shooting full-time during college. Um, and I knew this was what I was going to do, but I had the unique privilege of going to college for basically free. And so I went for two years. Um, so that's my advice to anyone else is that if you have the opportunity to go to college without uh, putting yourself in debt, then by all means go to college because you're not going to hurt yourself or your creative field um, by going to college. Like cameras aren't going to disappear tomorrow. Um, Lord willing. So um, <laughs> hopefully like, yeah, it's so, like you're, you're fine. You're fine. You can be patient and, you know, go to college and you, it might end up being some of the best years of your life. Mm. Now I hold on to that a lot. And uh, like a lot of people for me, it didn't make sense. I just didn't understand, you know, why I needed to go to college. And I was so close to, to pulling out um, just before I started because I wanted to chase this creative thing. You know, I, I sat down with my parents and I, I just told them, you know, I just take out that deposit, you know, I'll pay it back to you in like a year. <laughs> uh, obviously just not understanding how so much more difficult it would be to, to build a business. But, you know, they, they, they sat down to, with me and, and they shared with me and explained, uh, you know, the different aspects and some of the things that you're mentioning about how college just helps you grow. Uh, aside from the things that you actually study, uh, the exposure that you get to interact with people, uh, to just kind of build your, you know, people skills and things like that. It's, it's unmatched and there's nothing that you can really compare it to, you know? Um, and then, over and above that, the kind of network that you can build from that uh, for that business that you're trying to build as well. So there's a lot of benefits that come with it. And, you know, the advice that you got from Gary V that you're now giving to me um, is absolutely amazing. I think I'm going to hold on to that. And my mind is definitely slowly shifting and changing from looking at college and university as something that's negative and slowing my process down to getting to where I need to be. Uh, but, you know, looking at it more as something that's, a tool and an aid in actually getting me to where I need to be, even if it's not directly, um, you know, linked to what it is that I want to do. So I appreciate you sharing that it means a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I also just wanted to ask um, about it's, 
I have to mention it because it's smack dab in front of your Twitter bio and your Instagram bio and it's, it's Jesus. And that really, you know, grabbed my attention. Um, you know, being someone who appreciates what he's done and what he did, what he continues to do in my life as well. And just ask about, you know, just personally how that relationship is for you with him. Uh, yeah. So, um, I am a, um, believer in Jesus. Um, I am, in my opinion, I am nothing without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I would never be where I am with, without him and my faith. Um, it's just such a big part of my life, um, that, you know, I, it's just like, Jesus is just part of me and part of my identity. And so that's why, like, I have it everywhere. It's just so that, you know, if people come across my profile and, you know, they may be a believer themselves, they can, they can see that they have someone else out there in this space, you know, with the same faith as them, you know, because like it can, it can feel fairly empty sometimes when like, when you don't have anyone else to look up to that shares your faith. Now, no, not saying to be derogatory to any other creators who aren't by any means. Um, but it's just like with anything else you look for, you look, you look for people to look up to that share the same values and beliefs as you. And, um, that's something that was always important to me growing up. And so, um, that's why like I have it everywhere. So people can, you know, they can find that safe place with me as well. Um, but yeah, Jesus has played such a huge part in my life. And I'm a firm believer that I would not be where I am without my relationship with Christ. And he has laid the the path for me to where I am now and where I'm going in the future. Mm. I share that, you know, I, I feel the same way. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, it, it can feel a little bit lonely. It can feel like, yo, I'm in this big old space and trying to do this big crazy things is there anybody out there who understands you know how difficult it is sometimes to be uh you know a believer of jesus christ in the space and then you know just you being able to put that out there and um kind of like a calling call like yo i'm out here i'm there you know we're together in this it's it's beautiful um and you know when i was just like going through your work going through your uh, social media pages i definitely felt warm <laughs> you know just kind of seeing that there um which was beautiful and i, I thought i'd just ask um and thank you for sharing i really do appreciate it but yeah i think in terms of the you know straight up uh conversation podcast questions that i have um that's that's about it for now um I, I do have five questions that I'm going to ask, which are would you rather questions, just to see how you think uh, when you're given two options. Uh, but I just want to say thank you. You know, thank you for taking time out uh, of your schedule again. Um, thank you for your vulnerability. You know, <laughs> you're really raw, really straight to the point, and you don't get that often. Um, and I just like encourage you to to stay that way. It's it's, it's very unique characteristic that you have and in terms of you know building this community that you guys are trying to build around your chicago family it's it's going to be a characteristic that's going to attract some really amazing people yeah it's it's a pleasure yeah so i've got five five more would you rather questions <laughs> just to <laughs> some of them are a bit ridiculous but um uh, let's see let's see let's see how you think uh, so the first one is would you rather give up air conditioning forever or give up air conditioning and heating forever or give up the internet forever 
Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, my, my job kind of relies on the internet a decent bit. And <laughs> so I think I would probably have to go with air conditioning and heating. Um, yeah, because then you can always light a fire and, and you can always wear a jacket. Yep. <laughs> okay. The second <laughs> one is, would you rather have a maid or a personal chef? Personal chef by far. Do you not like cooking? Uh, oh, I love cooking. But I also I also understand that I am capped in my cooking abilities. You know, I am I I am not I am not the next Iron Chef America or something. So <laughs> if, if I could just not have the next cook Gordon Ramsay, that would be amazing. You know, especially if they could cook like really good food. You know, heck yeah. Mm, nah, it, it takes a big man to admit that you're not a great cook. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely like a fine cook, but like when it comes to like you know making something that my mom would or something probably not um yeah i mean no one can make yeah food the way mom no, no one food, can make like. food the way mom does so <laughs> yeah okay so the next one is um would you rather um what did i type oh my bad yeah, you're good. okay would you rather <laughs> i'm so sorry okay would you rather spend the rest of your life uh, in the sailboats as a home, or would you rather spend the rest of your life in an RV? RV, uh, sailboat, sailboat would be really sick, and that's something I've actually wanted to do was like spend an extended period of time like on a sailboat out in the ocean on the water. Um, but no, an RV, like just being able to like go everywhere, take photos, and you know, just sleep wherever you want to. Like that sounds incredible. I would definitely pick the RV. Yes, yes, because I'm just personally afraid of what the water can do to me <laughs> yes when it, when it when it gets crazy um okay two more the the fourth one is would you rather have an easy job and work for someone else or have or work for yourself and just work incredibly hard every day work for myself um working for myself now um has been such a uh blessing and it's I'm I'm extremely ADHD. I have really bad ADHD. And uh I learned from a very young age. I had a job. I've had I had my I got my first job when I was like 12 or 13 working for a landscaper and I I would work in people's yards and stuff. Um I learned very quickly that working for other people was not for me. Um I I have a very hard time focusing and staying on task at hand and you know, working for yourself, I have the unique privilege of being able to lean into whatever I'm feeling at the time. You know, if I wake up in the morning, like, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie this morning and I'm going to work in the afternoon. I can do that. I love that. I, I can do that. You know? I love that so if, much. If you know, but if it's like, okay, I need to work 14 hours, I can, you know, or if like, if I, if I work for, you know, if I work hard for four hours and I need to take a break. I can take a break. You know, I don't have someone breathing over my shoulder telling me what I can and can't do. Um, mm. So definitely work for myself. Yeah. I love that you realize that at a young age where you are and how you kind of function best, because a lot of people go through life without realizing it and kind of force themselves into a space where they work for someone, but they just don't realize that they, all they need to do is just like kind of try and find their own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm Okay. Super glad you realized that. I just have one more, uh, and then, and then we can wrap it up. Um, and, and, and the last one is, would you rather have unlimited international first class tickets to wherever? Unlimited, right? 
or never have to pay for food at any restaurant in the world ever. Ooh, that's tough. Uh I that dude, that is tough. Well, I mean, like, I feel like if if you if you if you got free food wherever you went, then you would have all this extra cash to travel wherever you wanted to. Really? Can you save that much on food to be able to buy plane tickets to wherever you want to go? Man, dude, food is expensive, especially <laughs> here in Chicago. <laughs> um, I mean, like, if you're eating three meals a day every day, then like, I don't know, man, that's tough. Because like on the other flip side, you know, like you can travel wherever. Uh, I love to travel. I love to travel. Mm-hmm. I love I love to travel too. Don't get mm. me wrong, but you're not constantly traveling, but you're constantly eating. <laughs> so like, I, I I still feel like I would take free food wherever I went. Free food at any restaurant. Hey, imagine the kind of restaurants you can eat at though. Like, oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> I think I, I think I definitely fine. go for 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 the international first class. Oh, tickets anyway. Uh that's the one I'm taking. Nah, man. People don't like traveling with me because I buy I buy cheap plane tickets. I I will <laughs> I will gladly I will gladly sit middle seat all the way in the back of the plane. I am that I mean, guy. The point is to I, get I, to where we're going, right? I'm I'm a point A to point B kind of guy. I could care less about sitting first class and drinking <laughs> literally, champagne. Literally, literally, <laughs> I love that. That's how you save money on good gear. You you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you save money and good gear. No, but Braxton, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, it's been such a pleasure, such an honor to have a member of the Chicago Club, you know, Creative Club Chicago on the podcast. You know, it's uh, it's really amazing. I can't wait to see you guys continue to grow and continue to build your network and your family and continue strong. I wish you all the best for your wedding as well, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been a um it's been an interesting process having to plan your own wedding versus planning other people, you know, coming from a wedding photography and filmmaking background. Um but yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you so you much gonna, for having me. Are you going to take your own photos at your wedding? Uh no. Uh, I will be <laughs> I I will be I will be taking photos at my wedding. Um but um I'm fortunate enough that my entire Chicago family is coming down to photograph it for me. Um, so I don't have to worry about that, but you best believe I will have a camera in my hand during that day. That's nice. That is beautiful. I think, uh, it's natural for photographers to be very critical, particular, maybe a little bit nervous about how the photos are coming out on the special day, you know? Oh yeah. But oh yeah. you've got a great team behind you, so you have nothing to worry about. For sure, man. Thank you so much, Braxton. Um, have a good day. Of course, brother. Thank you. And have we'll a stay good in one touch. too. Cheers. Yes, sir. Bye.